This Green Biz Radio podcast is brought to you by BP, working to provide today's energy while transitioning to a low-carbon future. More information at bp.com slash US. You're listening to Green Biz Radio, the voice of greenbiz.com, bringing you news and analysis on business, the environment, and the bottom line. Greenbiz Radio, I'm Jonathan Bartolini. One of the hurdles to making sustainable products is figuring out what the term sustainability means for different materials and ingredients. Jason Pearson, President and CEO of GreenBlue, a research and design institute, spoke with Greenbiz Radio about how companies are using metrics such as recyclability and renewable energy when determining the quality of products and what efforts are underway to make cleaner supply chains. Jason will be presenting at GreenBiz.com's Greener by Design Conference June 12th to 13th. How are companies rethinking or changing the ingredients and materials in their products with a focus on sustainability? Well, I'll start with the question of rethinking their products from the perspective of sustainability and then talk a little bit about ingredients specifically. As you may know, what Green Blue does as an organization in the world is work with leadership companies by industry sector or product category to try to help them move toward more sustainable solutions for their products and services. Currently, we work in three areas, packaging, cleaning products, and building products and materials. And probably the best example of how companies are rethinking their work in relation to sustainability, I can draw from our work running the Sustainable Packaging Coalition. What we see there is that the companies that are engaged in the Packaging Coalition as members are first and foremost interested in what this term sustainability means. And what we find, whether we're working in packaging, cleaning products, or any product category, is the term means something different depending on the product category you're talking about, and then more specifically, the context of use for a particular product. And the way that we help companies understand that is by talking in terms of metrics. And most companies that we work with are familiar with conventional business metrics for products like cost, performance, appearance, sometimes regulatory compliance. And those are metrics that they use to measure their performance and to define quality for their products and to compare themselves to their competitors. What we see happening in this area of practice that gets called sustainability is that a range of new metrics are getting added to the consideration or really to the definition of quality. So a range of new metrics or new attributes are getting added to the definition of quality for different types of products. So in the case of packaging, it's no longer good enough for a package to be to perform well on cost, performance, and appearance, and regulatory compliance, but customers of that package, customers who are going to see that package wherever they are in the supply chain are increasingly asking questions about whether the package is recyclable, whether the materials that are in that package are safe and healthy for people and the environment whether the energy used to make that package was renewable energy, whether the use of that energy was efficient in every stage in the life cycle. All those questions are really new metrics, new aspects of a definition of quality packaging. And so getting back to your question of how are companies rethinking what they're doing, the way that we understand what's happening is that companies are adding new metrics to their definition of quality or performance. And as they add those new metrics, they're needing to build up their research capacity and their understanding of those new issues in order to be able to perform well and to compete with 
their competitors in the marketplace. The key point that we often make to the private sector is, is exactly that, that while at one time these new metrics or these new issues might have looked to companies exclusively like a challenge that they wanted to avoid, increasingly companies are seeing these new metrics or these new issues as opportunities for innovation and opportunities for competitive differentiation so that just as a company can differentiate its product on the basis of cost or performance or appearance, they can now also differentiate their product on the basis of recyclability, intrinsic material health, use of renewable energy, fair labor practices within their facilities and along their supply chain, and that those factors actually matter in the marketplace and can prove to be a competitive advantage in that marketplace. So that's a very high-level answer to the question of how we see companies rethinking what they do in terms of what is getting called sustainability. And I would say that we don't find the term sustainability that useful as a technical term. It's useful as a general term to describe this group of new metrics that are being added to the consideration of quality, but the group of metrics varies depending on product category. So it doesn't, the definition of sustainability doesn't really remain stable at the product level across different product categories. And our job, in some cases, is simply to define what sustainability means for different product categories or different product sectors. So now getting to the second aspect of your question, which is the question of materials in products or in packages, in a way that, that same way of thinking, that, that thinking in terms of metrics and what attributes matter, applies also at the scale of what ingredients go into materials or what materials go into products. And I'll give you an example from one of our other projects, a project called Clean Ingredients, which is a database that we've been developing, which is an ingredient database of cleaning product chemicals, so a database of chemicals that could be used to make cleaning products. The role of the database is to sit in the supply chain of chemicals between companies that make chemicals and companies that use chemicals. So some of the companies that make chemicals might be companies like BASF or Dow or DuPont who are making chemicals that they then want to sell to companies like EcoBear or 7th Generation or Cisco who are going to mix those chemicals together to make a cleaning product. The formulator companies, the EcoBears, 7th Generations, those companies that mix chemicals together are trying to find chemicals they can use that when they complete the product, that product can then be a safe and healthy product or what we get called in the marketplace a green product or a sustainable product. The challenge for those formulator companies is to find good ingredients to put into their cleaning products. And the job of our database is to provide a listing of ingredient chemicals that they could use in their cleaning products. The reason I say that the attribute-based approach is still relevant is that just as I can't say there's any such thing as a sustainable package or a sustainable product because that definition varies by context and different attributes matter in different contexts. In the same way, when you look at a chemical that goes into a cleaning product, a cleaning product might be made up of seven or eight or nine different types of chemicals. Some of those types of chemicals might be surfactants, solvents, fragrances. Each of those classes of chemicals is different and has different characteristics. So when you're looking at a surfactant, for example, you might care a lot about whether it's toxic to aquatic ecosystems, whether if it got into a lake or a river it would cause problems with that aquatic ecosystem. You might also care whether it biodegrades rapidly or not, since if it got into that aquatic ecosystem you would want to know whether it disappeared quickly, whether it degraded quickly, or whether it remained for a long time. Those two attributes happen to be the key attributes that you should care about for surfactants, 
For solvents, we might care about different attributes or more attributes. What we see our job in this database to help companies understand when you're looking at a surfactant chemical, what are the key attributes you should care about if you're looking to create a green cleaning product that includes that surfactant. The way that I describe this to a layperson often is it's a little bit like the difference between a good housekeeping seal of approval approach and a consumer reports approach, where a good housekeeping seal of approval might try to tell you whether a chemical is good or not. We try to tell you for each chemical that you're looking to possibly use in your product, what are the things you should care about and how do each of the chemicals that are currently listed on our database perform in the attributes that you would care about in the same way that Consumer Reports doesn't tell you this is the best car on the market, this is the car you should buy. They tell you if you're purchasing a car, these are the key things you should care about and then help you to understand how each of the products currently on the marketplace compares within those categories of interior noise or repair history or fuel efficiency. And then, so pulling it back then to the, my original point about what sustainability means, the key question we ask for each of the product categories we work in is what are the metrics that matter? What are those headings that should be at t the top of the consumer reports report columns that are important for each product category? And those now, because of the movement, toward more sustainable products and services. There are more column headings. There are more metrics you should care about. What you spoke about with the different ingredients, that seems to be one of the challenges for the companies making the final product in making a green product, sourcing every ingredient, every piece of packaging to be green. Is that one of the main challenges that these companies making the final product are facing, and what are some of the other challenges out there? It's no accident that we chose cleaning products and packaging is some of our early product categories that we focused on because both are relatively simple product categories. Cleaning products are very simple products. They're really little more than mixtures of chemicals. The supply chain is simple. A bunch of chemical suppliers who supply chemicals to a formulator who then mixes it in a soup in a bottle and sells it. So it's a relatively short supply chain. When you start to look at more complex product categories, like, for example, electronics, where you have thousands of components in a single laptop computer, each of those components is manufactured in any number of facilities or may pass from facility to facility around the planet. The complexity of trying to understand what materials went into each of those components and then being able to track those materials and make sure that, for example, if you're a laptop computer manufacturer and you specify that you want certain materials to be used in your product to verify that indeed that specification has been met and a material or a chemical hasn't been substituted by the manufacturer somewhere else in the world, whether in Europe or in Asia or in Latin America or in North America. That challenge is certainly a substantial challenge for companies who are focused on not only on the ingredients and materials in their products, but also other aspects of their supply chains, whether, for example, they're using materials that are being produced in facilities that are fair to their workers, whether the energy that's being used to produce materials and packages is renewable energy, how much energy is being used. And that challenge of, of getting information to flow up and down along the supply chain, getting more progressive specifications for materials to flow up supply chains toward the manufacturing and, and then getting those materials the safe and healthy materials to flow down the supply chain 
and be tracked along the supply chain is a significant challenge and one that well, some of the largest companies in the world, I would point to Walmart, for instance, with their work in their sustainable values networks as an example of a company who is trying to gain insight into their supply chain and into the types of materials being used in their supply chain and also some of the other aspects of their supply chain, such as labor practices or energy use. Those are the challenges. I would say that there's some positive movement toward addressing those challenges in a couple of areas. One is in the area of life cycle assessment science. Over the past 30 years, life cycle assessment as a way to look at supply chains and understand the inputs and emissions along the entire supply chain or the entire life cycle of the product has started to provide us with a rigorous scientific methodology for understanding the life cycle of products and for understanding supply chains. The holy grail, of course, would be to actually be able to pass life cycle information up and down supply chains in a credible, efficient way, and we're not there yet. But life cycle assessment as a methodology provides us a way to start to understand where in our supply chains there might be hot button issues, focus points where, for example, a lot of toxic material is being used or a lot of energy is being expended. So companies are able to use life cycle assessment as a way to identify problem points or opportunity points, really, within their supply chain to make significant improvements. Also, some of the work that we've been doing at Green Blue and the Packaging Coalition, developing something called Compass, which is a design tool for packaging designers to help them understand the characteristics of the materials they put in their packages. What Compass allows a packaging designer to do is, for example, if they're designing a package for a particular product, to put in information about the materials that they would use for three or four different packaging options. And then based on industry average life cycle information for those basic packaging materials, materials like paperboard or glass or aluminum or steel, based on industry average information about the production of those materials from cradle to gate, from the moment that extraction happens out of the ground of the raw materials to the point that the material is converted into packaging, based on industry average information about base packaging materials, we can make a pretty good guess at how different package designs using those different materials might perform on metrics like greenhouse gas emissions, water consumption. So we're able to at least provide some approximate guidance for companies who are looking to try to make better choices. But we're really in a very dynamic period right now in terms of information development where we can develop a tool like Compass that's based on industry average information and gives pretty good direction, but it's not customized to a company's specific supply chain. It's based on industry average. So a company might be sourcing the material from a facility that's using entirely renewable energy. We don't have a way to capture that or modify our data at this point to account for that, but over time, I'd say over the next five to ten years, we'll be developing increasing capacity and I don't mean green blue, I mean collectively as a society we'll be developing increasing capacity to be able to track that information. Along with um, what you spoke about, life cycle assessment, are there any solutions or concepts out there to improve this area that just haven't been adopted on a widespread basis yet or just haven't been fully developed yet? I think the methodologies are there. For example, in the case of life cycle assessment, a lot of the methodology is there, but we don't have the data. For instance, as we've been developing this software tool that makes use of life cycle inventory methodology to do life cycle inventory for these base packaging materials, 
we could not find good, up-to-date, credible, validated data for industry average information for base packaging materials. So we have had to go out to the major industry associations in North America and ask them to collect that data. Obviously, as a small nonprofit organization individually making that request, we might not have a lot of success, but because we have a strong private sector membership in the Sustainable Packaging Coalition of over 170 member companies, all of whom are interested in this data being collected, together with Walmart, who has also said to the industry associations, we are interested in this information, so please provide this information to Green Blue so that if the industry associations provide this data, that data can become a common resource that can be used by anyone trying to understand the characteristics of these materials. That effort to try to create common, validated, publicly available data sets is a very important effort and one that many of our partner companies are very interested in seeing succeed and it will require a lot of collaboration in order for that to happen. We are hopeful that that data will become increasingly available and will become available in public, credible, transparent forms that, as, a, as validated data that, is, that can be used confidently to make decisions. You've been listening to Green Biz Radio. For the latest daily news on business, the environment, and the bottom line, and to sign up for our free newsletters, visit greenbiz.com.